0: I'm going to give you the passages that I'm going to be reading. So, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. Colossians chapter 4, that's in the New Testament, verse 14. Exodus chapter 30, verses 7 through 7 and 8. Also in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 24. I'm going to read the first five verses, 1 through 5, and verse 10. Now, I'm going to give those to you again as I read them. So if you're trying to find them as I read, I would just give you a moment to find. So if you would go first to Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. I will be using the English Standard Version, the ESV. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for being able to bring the Word of God and for the technology that we even have today. We're grateful to you, Lord, for your power. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for all that you are doing. Pray that, God, that you will help us, that you will lead us, and that you will be with us. We pray that in all that, God, you are doing today, that your name will be honored and glorified. Forgive us of sin. Help us to be a people of prayer, a people that honors you, a people that remembers that you are good and great and powerful. And during this season, would you help us to honor and to lift up the name of Christ? We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you can go ahead and mute your phones right now as I read. If everyone can mute your phones, put, go ahead and put star six. All right. This is how it reads in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And the angel answered him, him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. Verse 23. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Man, turn in your Bibles to, in the, still in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. And the reason that I'm reading this is because the author of, this, of the book here is Luke. And so Colossians chapter 4, verse 14 says this. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Again, part A of the verse, for the beloved physician greets you. All right, your Bibles to the second book of the Bible, Exodus, in the Old Testament. So if you go all the way back to the Old Testament, you have Genesis and the second book is Exodus. Once you go to Exodus chapter 30, I'm going to read two verses there. Exodus 30. Going to read verses seven and eight. All right. This is how it reads: Exodus chapter thirty, verses seven and eight. And Aaron, and again, I'm use, well. I'm going to read it first, and I'll explain later. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Speaking of the altar, every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. When Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. And then Chronicles has two books, First Chronicles and Second. We're going to be in First Chronicles 24. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 and verse 10. First Chronicles 24. Okay, First Chronicles 24, 1 through 5 says this The divisions of the sons of Aaron were these. The sons of Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. So Eleazar and Ithamar became the priests. With the help of Zadok of the sons of Eleazar and Ahimelech of the sons of Ithamar, David organized them according to the appointed duties of their service. Since more chief men were found among the sons of Eleazar, then among the sons of Ithamar, they organized them under sixteen heads of fathers' houses of the sons of Eleazar and eight of the sons of Ithamar. They divided them by lot, all alike, for there were sacred officers and officers of God among both the sons of Eleazar and the sons of Ithamar. Verse number ten. The seventh two, Haskos. The eighth to Abisha. and I'll go over that. So if you're wondering or have questions, we will deal with some of these matters. One of the things that's very interesting and that you will note is that God is a God of his own timetable. I don't care how much you try. God is not in a hurry, <laughs> but he's right on time. The title that I've given this message is when prayer has its greatest impact when prayer has its greatest impact when we look at the book of Luke we note that Luke has written two books we've noted that before he wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts Luke was a physician that we saw in the book of Colossians chapter four, fourteen. the reason that I read that is because Luke, even though he was not an eyewitness nor a disciple of Jesus, he interviewed individuals, and because of his medical background and attention to detail, he wrote an orderly account to a person that you will note in both Luke and Acts that says Theophilus. It is believed that Theophilus was a Roman ruler who came to believe in the scriptures, and maybe even was a believer in Christ but it is believed that he accepted the message of God and so Luke wrote him a book a book uh, entitled or addressed the book I should say to Theophilus even though it would be shared with many others in the gospel of Luke Luke gives a long detailed history of the birth of John and the birth of Jesus and we'll deal with Jesus uh, next week within the next week or two. When you look at the temple, there was one temple that was built, and that was in Jerusalem. It was King Solomon who built the temple. While David, his father, wanted to build the temple, God did not allow David to build the temple and told him, because you have been a man of war and of blood, I cannot have you build me a temple. But I will allow your son to build the temple, Solomon, but you can get the supplies that we will need. You can prepare all of those things. So you can gather all of the material, but you, David, cannot build the temple. The temple had been later destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. And it's when they had been taken to. Babylon, Many of the individuals in Judah because they had refused to trust God. The temple had had various renovations after the captivities had ended, but it was Herod the Great who did a lot of work and building and reconstructing of the temple. Now, the temple was the main focus of worship for the Jewish people. If you were excommunicated from the temple, you were most miserable. And so most people never wanted to be put out of the temple because their whole life was tied to the temple. Sacrifices, worship, uh, everything was tied to the temple. And we find in such a case here where Elizabeth and others are now at the temple and it is John, and it is Zachariah, the husband of Elizabeth, who belongs to the tribe of Aaron, the division of Abihu, who has been given the responsibility and the task of going into the temple, not the holy of holies, but the holy place, going in, removing the ashes from the altar, and now adding the new. Incense. He removes the old incense and the ashes, and now it's his responsibility, as the priest would often do, to offer prayers unto God as part of his responsibility. The service of the temple was divided into 24 divisions. 24 divisions. We get that and note that it was King David who was responsible for giving the divisions that we read in 1 Chronicles. He gave the divisions and it was based on the family of Aaron the priest. Now this goes through quite a bit of history and so I'm only right now trying to touch on the main points and the main parts that brings us to the point of where we are. Aaron had four sons and two of his sons were killed by God because they refused to honor God's terms when he told them that only a certain type of offering and fire could be used in his, um, in his service. And two of Aaron's sons disobeyed God and it was the Lord who immediately actually killed them. And from that situation that took place, we have two of Aaron's other sons in which the division of the priesthood was established or divided. And so David was the one that actually divided it. There were 16 to the one son and then eight. So you have 16 and eight based on their clans where you have now 24 divisions of the priesthood. Now, the divisions of the priesthood, their primary work was to serve in the temple. Each division worked in the temple a week at a time. This was done at least twice a year. Now, I want you to know there were the divisions of the, of the priests, but all of them did not always go to Jerusalem at the appointed time. Or let me say it this way. All of them did not serve in the temple at the same way, but every division of the 24 groups all of them went to the temple at least twice a year, and all of them would have gone during the times of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So the Feast of Passover, Pentecost, excuse me, Pe- Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Every division would have had representatives that would have been in Jerusalem at this time. Now, there were about 18,000 priests, so to have each priest to go in as Zechariah was going to do to offer the prayers and the incense, that would only pretty much happen one time in the lifetime of a priest. So for them to do this special and have the special privilege of being able to enter into the temple to do this special work would only occur in their lifetime one time. So what do we have here? We have the very significant matter here of Zechariah, who is of the division of Abijah, the eighth division outlined by David, the eighth division. And Zechariah by lot was chosen to go in and to offer the incense at this time. Let me just tell you this. One of the things that you need to just note is that God's timing and what He did, does is all fascinating. How in the world could the timing be right now during the time when Christ is going to be born where it's Zachariah whose time comes to be in the temple and He's chosen to be the one to go there and to offer the incense? The name John means Yahweh has been gracious. Now let me go back. John and Elizabeth had been praying for years for a son or a child. It was considered a reproach not to be able to have a child, not to have children. It, it was something that people would look down upon you if you didn't have a child. So the the prayer for mothers and the prayer for fathers was that God would be gracious and bless them with a the child. And oftentimes they would pray for a son in order to perpetuate or carry on the family name. So they at least wanted a son if they had many children so that the family's name would be able to be continued. And so we find it fascinating that Zachariah and Elizabeth had been praying, but the Bible notes that it had been a very, very long time. Let me just give you a point here. If you're writing a point down, you could write this down. When I have stopped praying and my prayers are heard. When I have stopped praying and my prayers are heard. It was at the time of Herod the Great where John the Baptist and Jesus during this time are going to be born. And so there's a note in the beginning of Luke where it states that Herod was the king. And as I mentioned, it was Zechariah who was chosen by Lot to go into this temple. And he had no idea that he would be visited by an angel of the Lord who would give him notice that the prayers that he had been offering over the years were heard. Now, I I got to have to make this this note and mention to you is I've, I've oftentimes said, please Stop saying that your angel is riding on your shoulders or is your co-pilot. Your angel is not your co-pilot. Your angel is not one that sits on your shoulder. Whenever there is an appearance of an angel in the Bible, it always states that fear was the response of those where he appeared to. Angels were terrifying beings. And so is the case with Zechariah, when the angel appeared to him, the Bible states that he was scared. And the words of those who know the Lord, often the words that would come is, fear not or don't be afraid. So as I said, they had been praying for a child, and the angel said something interesting. He says, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. God has heard your prayers. Now, this is very fascinating because you have to assume that with Zachariah and Elizabeth no longer being of childbearing age, that prayer had stopped. They were no longer praying for a child. But it had been a prayer that they had prayed for years. And now they had taken evidently and had kind of just believed that, well, it was not God's de- desire or design for them to have a child. And so you have to imagine the shock from Uh, Zechariah, when the angel said that your prayers have been answered. And so while he's in before the presence of the Lord, and the Bible notes that the angel is on the right side of the altar, which is oftentimes spoken of as the side of blessing. Didn't say the left side. It specifically notes this angel is on the right side, which refers oftentimes to blessing. Note this. He commends him for his faith, But he also then rebukes him for not believing God. You see, prayer has its greatest impact when I believe we do three things, or you do three things. One is, I believe prayer has its greatest impact when we pray and the answer does not seem to be forthcoming, but we continue to pray. We pray when the answer does not seem to be forthcoming, but we continue to pray. The second thing is that I believe that it has its greatest impact is that we continue to trust God when the timeline for what we have asked God for seems to have come and gone. I believe it has its greatest impact, number two, when we continue to trust God, when the timeline for what we have asked God for has come and gone. And third, I think that prayer has its greatest impact when we can worship God and say that he knows what's best. Because of through prayer, we have placed the matter in his hands. When we take a situation and we place it in God's hand and says, Lord, I now remove my hands from this, I believe prayer has its greatest impact. As Zechariah is in this place in the temple, we have people that are standing outside the temple, which was the custom, and they are offering up prayers. You see, in the Bible, the Bible talks about the incense that was to keep burning uh, in, the, in the temple, on the altar. The incense was a symbol of the prayers that would constantly be going up before the Lord. You know sometimes when a, when a person is wanting to be rescued and they'll start a fire, not to, burn down the, not to burn down everything, but they want that smoke to be a signal that goes up so that someone can see that, hey, there's someone here. The incense was a perpetual way of offering and being mingled with the prayers of the saints that would always be rising before the Lord. I believe that in this matter regarding Zachariah and Elizabeth and him being chosen, that the prayers that he had long stopped continue to go up before the Almighty God. And the angel confirms it by saying, your prayers, and he makes it present, have been heard by God. You see, there are times when you may stop praying but your prayers have already been offered and they still stand before the Almighty God. So don't give up, don't stop, because it seems like the answer is not coming or the answer that you don't, that you, the answer is not coming in the way that you feel it should or that's not the answer you want. Remember this, God always knows what is best. God specializes in the impossible. And we must have faith to believe Him when He acts in the impossible way. God is not always interested in doing the mediocre. He wants to blow your mind. Keep that in mind. He enjoys doing things that shows, and we say, God, there's nobody that could do that but you. That's the God that he is. We continue on, and the message that this this angel Gabriel gives to Zechariah, and he tells him that, the child that he is to bear and to have is going to bring joy and gladness. And many is going to, are going to rejoice at the birth of this child. He goes through and talks about it. And he says he's going to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he says he will go before him in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. Elijah was one of the, it represents the prophets in the Old Testament. He says they're gonna, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Many, many of the scholars and theologians don't really know what that verse really means of turning. It's been various debate regarding what that means. But he says he's going to turn the hearts of these individuals to the fathers and the fathers to the children. Now, it's very interesting that after the angel says this, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Now, that would have been great if he stopped right there and says, how am I to know what, in other words, will be the sign of this? That's not what he does. What Zechariah did after having been commended by this angel, that your prayers have been answered by God. You have been a praying man, you and your wife. I, God wants to commend you. He goes on to add, for I am an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. He is saying, Don't God, does God not know that we are well past the childbearing age? God could have done this years ago. He might as well go ahead and choose somebody else. Now the response that he gets is a rebuke. There's commendation and there's a rebuke. Condemnation. And the angel answered him, he says, you know, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And he says, you know what, God sent me specifically to tell you that your prayers have been answered and you're going to have a son. He says, but because of your unbelief, because of what you have done, the promise stands that it's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you this. You're not going to be able to speak until the time that this takes place. You're going to be mute. Now, the people that are standing outside who had been praying are now wondering what's taking Zacharias so long. What's taking them so long? Now they have stopped praying and they're probably starting to look around at each other. Why is that important? Because whenever you entered into the presence of the Lord, especially if if the high priest was going to go into the Holy of Holies, there was always a concern that they were not going to come out of there. Why? Because they were going into the presence of the Almighty God. And if you didn't go in in the right way with the blood blood that God required and the, the proper attitude and the way that you entered, you weren't coming out of there alive. And so I have to imagine that the people began to say, hey, zachariah has been in there a long time. And their prayers now start, move to worry. Where is he? What's taking him so long? Have you ever been in the place when you've been praying and all of a sudden your prayers, right in the midst of your praying, turns to worry? Oh, Lord, I know I'm asking for this, but are you? can you really do this? And you start off great, but all of a sudden you turn because now... You began to think, well, I'm maybe praying for the impossible. We've got to be so very careful that when we pray, we believe God. So outside individuals' prayers have now changed to worry. So when Zachariah emerges, there's number one for his wife Elizabeth, there had to be great relief. Oh, I was wondering that you, something happened, you weren't coming out of there. And the people had to worry as well. And then, They began to look and say, wait a minute, he's not speaking, he must have seen a vision. And so great, I won't say chaos, but there was this great wave of talk among people about what happened with Zechariah. But he went home unable to speak, but the Bible says that his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. Now I want to end with this for today. Have you ever been praying for something? And God's answer is superseded and exceeded the very thing that you are asking for? Keep this in mind. Have you really thought about John the Baptist, the relative of Jesus, that the prayer that Zachariah and Elizabeth had been asking in regards to a son? And Elizabeth's name means Oath of God. John, again, his name means Yahweh has been gracious and her name means oath of God. Can you can you imagine that your prayers have been now not only answered, but your son is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah? Have you ever been in a situation to where you say, God, I wasn't expecting this, but oh, my goodness, this is amazing because. The Lord answers their prayer, and it's like he added a bonus to them, a major bonus, in the sense that I know you've been praying, I've answered, but I was doing something even greater, and the timing had to be just right because your son had to be born right around the time of the Messiah because he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. So I say this to let you know is that when your prayers seem to be hindered or seem to be on pause? You just need to know that God is working out some things that, that might just blow your mind. So remember this. Prayer has its greatest impact in our lives when we really follow and trust the Almighty King. Amen.